0: Right now, I am joined, as I am every Tuesday at this time, by Adam Bunch, award-winning author, storyteller, and historian. Welcome back, Adam.
1: Thanks again for having me.
0: So it's Valentine's Day week. We're going to talk about Toronto romance.
1: Yeah, this is a story I came across when I was doing research for my big book of Toronto romance, the Toronto Book of Love, which covers. The city's history through stories of romance and heartbreak. Uh, And one of the strangest Toronto-related romantic stories is the story of how the founder of the city uh, seems to have gotten his heart broken as a young man. Now this is sorry. Uh go ahead. Go ahead. uh, The founder of Toronto is this British military officer. And when he was in his uh, sort of late 20s, he found himself fighting in the American Revolution on the British side. So Simcoe is this sort of die-hard supporter of the British Empire and British power around the world who sort of follows in his dad's footsteps. His dad had fought in Canada for the British against the French in the lead up to the Battle of Plains of Abraham. And Simcoe, in his 20s, It's a British officer fighting against these American revolutionaries. He gets a big reputation. It's how he sort of makes his name. Uh, He's a hero on the British side. He's got this unit, the Queen's Rangers, that he dresses in green uniforms so they can blend in with the forests. Uh, But the Americans really hate him. In fact, even now, there's a pretty recent TV show called Turn uh, where Simcoe is kind of a psychopathic villain. Uh, They accuse him of massacres and all sorts of dastardly deeds, while at the same time he's sort of a hero to the British side. And it's there, during the American Revolution, that seems that he might have fallen in love for the first time.
0: And he's just in his 20s at this point.
1: He's 28 years old, Okay, 1779 which is when he sends the very first Valentine in the recorded history of North America. And it's to this American uh, teenager that he's fallen in love with. So the British control Manhattan at the time, and Simcoe's sort of patrolling the area outside the city. And the British have started, they call it billeting, sort of forcing local families to take in British soldiers and have them live with them in their own homes. So Simcoe's been billeted with this family called the Towns, Townsends, uh, who live in a little town called Oyster Bay on Long Island. Uh, their house is still there today. It's called Rainham Hall. It's open as a public museum. And this is where Simcoe ends up living with the family and starting to develop a pretty serious crush on their daughter, Sally, or Sarah Townsend who's 18 years old, a little bit of a disturbing age gap there, but he doesn't seem to mind, certainly. Starts to spend lots of time sort of chatting with her, flirting with her. All the other British soldiers are getting jealous of the time they're spending together. And when February 14th rolls around in 1779, uh, Simcoe decides to send her this valentine.
0: And what did it look like if this is the first ever valentine?
1: It's got a couple of components to it. So people had been sending valentines for sort of centuries, and over the 1700s, they got in really popular in countries like England, where Simcoe was from. This is the first one over here in North America, and it's a bit of, actually, quite a long bit of pretty bad poetry, which Simcoe was very fond of producing. Uh, In it, he asks Sally Townsend to be his valentine very openly. Uh, He also sort of goes on for a while, wondering if his life will ever be more about romance than it is about war. He also adds a little sketch that he creates. Uh, He draws two hearts with their initials on each of the hearts, and then it's united by cupid's arrow uh, and sort of makes this big pitch as a young man uh, for sally to be his valentine but sally is not gonna ever fall for him it's impossible that they would end up together and that's because it seems likely that the entire time sally was actually a revolutionary spy that the reason she was spending all this time with Simcoe and flirting with him wasn't that she was interested in him. It's that she was trying to overhear his conversations with other British officers. So there's this big spy ring called the Culper Ring that was set up by George Washington himself. He wants to know what's happening in New York City, and the area around it, So he started this big spy ring. And one of the people running that spy ring is Sally's brother. So we can't know for sure because it was all very secretive. But a lot of historians seem to think that Sally was probably operating as sort of a secret agent in this spy ring and is flirting with Simcoe to overhear these conversations. There's at least one conversation that Simcoe has with another British officer Uh, That looks like a likely source of a foiled attack that the Americans had managed to get early warning of. And people think that might have been Sally overhearing Simcoe have that conversation. But the the American revolutionaries know what Simcoe and the rest of the British military was up to. So Sally was absolutely the wrong person for Simcoe to be falling in love with.
0: But the recipient of the first North American valentine.
1: Yeah, Which gives her... Sort of a weird place in the history (laughs) of uh, romance in North America and in the history of Toronto, too. So Simcoe stays with them for a while. Uh, There are other reasons for her to be annoyed with him, too. He, for instance, uh, cuts down the family's apple orchard to use the wood for a British fort. Uh, And if you go visit, actually, Oyster Bay today, you even find something that Simcoe's thought to have left behind, which is a piece of glass from one of the window panes. He's etched the words into it to the adorable Miss Sally Sarah Townsend, because he really seems to have been uh, sort of deeply falling for her, but ends up with this broken heart. Later that year, he ends up being captured by the revolutionaries. He spends a bunch of time in a rebel prison. Uh, His health suffers. He's eventually sent back home to England. I think it's part of a prisoner exchange. His health in his life really never recovers. And he comes away kind of a healthy distrust, even a hatred of the United States, he ends up falling in love in England and he gets promoted to become the first lieutenant governor of Upper Canada, what's now Southern Ontario, which is specifically set up to be a home for loyalist refugees uh, from the American Revolution, these pro-British Americans who stayed loyal to the British the whole way through. And when Simcoe is heading here to sort of start up this colony on this indigenous land and build a new capital for this new colony. He writes very openly about the fact that he wants it to be a pretty anti-American place. That Actually, he hasn't given up on the American Revolution, even though this is a couple of decades later. He's hoping Toronto is going to be a city so incredible, so awesome, that the Americans on the other side of the lake are going to get jealous and beg to be let back into the British Empire The Toronto will be so great, it will undo the American Revolution and maybe get some small measure of revenge for Simcoe's broken heart. That is quite
0: the story. Adam Bunch, award winning author, storyteller, and historian, talking about North America's. First, Valentine's with a connection to Toronto, our city. It is in his book, The Toronto Book of Love. Thanks so much for joining me on Tuesday afternoon. We'll talk next week again, Adam. Thanks so much.